0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Talking Fitball podcast. We're now on episode 29. We're growing week on week. Thank you very much for tuning in with a raft of quality interviews in the archives and you can listen to them all on iTunes, Spotify, Soundcloud, Podbean and also by visiting DerekClarkSport.co.uk. This week I spoke to the current Sunderland Academy manager Paul Reid Paul's story in the game is an interesting one. He burst onto the scene at his hometown club, Carlisle, and his performances there, seen some of the country's biggest clubs chase his signature. He chose Rangers, but things didn't quite work out for him at Ibrox. He managed to carve a career down south low in skippered Northampton town at the tender age of 21, and went on to play for a host of clubs, including the likes of Barnsley, Scunthorpe and Colchester, as well as representing his country at under-19 and under-20 level. It's another honest and candid interview, so sit back and enjoy this week's episodes of the Talking Fitball podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Fitball podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined this week with the Sunderland Academy manager, the one and only Paul Reid. Paul, thanks very much for, for joining us. No problem at all. Um, great career in the in, in the game Paul we'll, we'll kick off back yeah, I've got here you were born uh, back in 1982 in Carlisle is that correct?
1: Yes long time ago now but yeah
0: <laughs> Were you always kicking the ball around as a, as a youngster?
1: Yeah definitely I remember quite vividly uh, being sent to the shops to get uh, a paper and some milk and, and always having a, a football with me like kind of either a football or a tennis ball always at my feet uh, yeah it was, it was something that we did all the time. It was it was kind of the only thing we did. We, we, we didn't really have uh, the computers obviously that we have today. The the spectrum that we had took about an hour and a half to load up in those days. So you had, <laughs> you had plenty of time on your hands to to play outside before you started thinking about playing on the computers or anything.
0: And did, did, did you follow Carlisle with your team, or did you follow a, a, another team growing up?
1: Uh, always Carlisle. Um, I I do. I uh, have an affinity for Liverpool, again, probably because when I was kind of seven, eight, and, and like really taking an interest in football, they, they were the, the kind of the big team in England and, and winning things, so they were quite on uh, prominent and on the TV. So, uh, But Carlisle certainly were my team and, and, and still are. Um, always look out for their results. Um, I would was, I was go to the games when I was uh, a young lad. My dad taking me to games. Uh, was ball boy, uh, on numerous occasions and then ended up going going right the way through the system with them.
0: Did you always play at the back then, Paul? Was did you always want to be a defender?
1: Um I did, did a bit spells, uh play midfield as well. Um I don't know if I I don't think I I ever really thought do I want to be a defender I think you get to get to the age where you start playing football and you you kind of put in a position, uh the, the people at that time looking after the team's fancy some of your attributes and kind of put you somewhere. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever really thought too much about where I was playing. I I always enjoy defending. I think it's it's something that's possibly lost uh, in in some of the the young players of today, that that real desire to to keep the ball out the net. It it never bothered me getting smashed in the face with a football or getting hurt in a challenge as long as the, the kind of ultimate goal of keeping the ball out the net was achieved.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, you mentioned that you, you joined your, your boyhood team, Carlisle, and were you on their books from a, from an early age, in or did they send scouts to go and watch you? Yeah,
1: I remember uh, joining them. I think it was a, I think it was around eleven. Um, I started playing football for uh, the boys' brigade in Carlisle, and then a local team called St Edmunds, uh, and the, the team itself was quite successful in the town. So we we ended up most of the team got a trial at Carlisle. Uh, I remember getting a trial and, and getting told that they wanted to sign me and there was kind of no looking back from there. It was it was, it was quite straightforward at, at that age that, yeah, went for a trial, got, got signed and there was always that in the back of your mind, are they going to keep me for the next year, the next year? But I was, I was lucky enough that at, the, at the kind of end of every season and those decision times that I, I always got a, a positive response.
0: Yeah, and can you remember making your, your debut at all?
1: Yeah, massively. Um, I remember being on the bench uh, for a couple of weeks previous, and and just just constantly thinking like, am I going to get on? Am I ga- going to get on? Um, there was a couple of times where I've got told to warm up, and you you run up and down the touchline, nervous, thinking, I'm going I'm going to play, I'm going to play, and it didn't happen. And then I was on the bench away at Hartlepool uh i it must i think I think I've got the last twenty minutes uh, and i remember being uh, again I remember quite vividly being stood on the side of the pitch stripped uh ready to go on uh, the the kind of lines saying right you you're coming on and that first step on the on the pitch like that one step on the pitch and that was it that was like i i i've played i i've i've got on the pitch i've made an appearance for Carlisle uh i remember thoroughly enjoying the the twenty minutes that I got and uh Again, I went I went from strength to strength after that. Play, played that 20 minutes. Started the next game. And I think, I think played just about every other game from then to the end of the season. I think it was in about January that I made my debut. And I think I played just about every game from then to the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and it was quite a traumatic season as well. I mean, you're staying up on, on goal difference in the football league. So it certainly was a, a big season for the football club.
1: Huge. Uh, and with me being a young and a Carlisle boy and a a Carlisle fan I I really felt the pressure of it obviously all my friends are asking me about it a lot of people I know are in the crowd watching on a a Saturday everyone's asking me about the results and I've obviously got this real love for for Carlisle United being a hometown boy and a fan and I certainly didn't want to be the one or or one of the ones responsible for, for getting the club relegated out of the league so even at that young age, I definitely felt a big responsibility.
0: Your appearances for Carlisle alerted at a number of other clubs. Were you aware that the scouts were being sent to watch you that that, that time, Paul?
1: Yeah, I mean it was a, a real kind of golden time for me. Um, like I, I luckily went on to to have a career, but I can I can honestly say that those twenty odd games I had for Carlisle, I've probably never strung uh, twenty better games together mm-hmm. in sequence. I, I knew. Again, although I was young at the time, I was aware that I was playing well. It was obvious; just everything I was doing was basically coming off. I was I was confident. I was happy. I was trying things that were working, and and I knew it was it was in the local papers at the time, and I, I knew there was there was chatter around the, the football club that I was I was starting to attract a, a bit a bit of interest.
0: And of course, a number of big clubs like Arsenal, uh, Leeds, Liverpool were sniffing about. But you opted to, to, to travel north over the border to Rangers. What what sort of prompted you to choose Rangers over the, the rest of the clubs?
1: Just the, there was there'd been a, a bit of a relationship built up um, previous to me actually joining Rangers. I'd been invited up a couple of times to train, like a like a year to eighteen months before that. So it it just felt that they took the time to kind of build a bit of a relationship up and uh, and a bit of a connection it, it it wasn't something that I was going into that was totally alien to me I, I I knew the people there they'd been really good with me the setup was fantastic and it just at the time it just felt the the right decision to make
0: yeah did did you have any sort of dealings initially with um David Murray would have been the chairman at the time with uh, with David at all
1: yeah i mean un, only brief um again i was i was 18 at this point and I did. I did meet uh, David uh, when I initially signed. But again, I'm I'm 18 years old, and in retrospect, I, although it was a big move for me, it it wasn't for for David Murray and, and, and Glasgow Rangers at the time. So David was absolutely fine with me. Um, like I said I did. I didn't have an awful lot to do with him, but he was he was absolutely f- fine with me when I signed. Uh, we did that. I, I met him with. Uh, with Michael Knight, who was the the Cal United chairman at the time, um, we did that. But after, after that, I didn't have a, a lot to do with him, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when you went up there, uh, of course you you'd been up for, to train for it for a few occasions. Um, did it sort of take you back at how the, uh, the size of the club and what have you going from Carlisle to uh, to Rangers?
1: Totally. <laughs> like I look back at back at it and laugh now uh, because I'm, I'm a bit older and I've got uh, a bit more life experience. Gone up there as an eighteen-year-old, I had absolutely no clue what I was stepping into. <laughs> as, as, as much as I had been up there and, and visited, uh, it, I had only been kind of within the training complex and, and and around kind of training and games with them. So I knew kind of a little bit about the football environment in terms of like actually in the club. But I had no idea what it meant to everybody outside, and, and the magnitude of it. Like, on, honestly, none. It's laughable now, but seriously, I, I knew nothing.
0: <laughs> was it was there any sort of players that, that helped you at all, or that, that, that you palled about with when you were up there? A
1: lot of the so when I, when I first went up there, I, again I'm, I'm I'm 18, so I, I didn't immediately go straight into the to the first team squad. I was uh, around the the under 18s and, and under 23s. Uh, a lot of the players were, were good as gold with me um, I, I, that went on to actually have a career at Rangers people like Bob Malcolm uh, Stephen Hughes uh, Stephen Doby has had a career in England uh, Paul McHale that had a career in Scotland we're still big friends so it was, it was pe- people like that uh, more than probably established first team players at, at the initial stage once I'd been there for a couple of years and Managed to train a bit more with the first team. Um, people like Arthur Newman were fantastic with me. Um, re- really made me understand what it what it took to 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 be at that level. Uh, and he, he was fantastic. I'll, always had time for a lot of the young players. He he he'd probably be the the one person I'd, I'd I'd say really stood out as a as a senior pro that I, I, would, I looked up to and and really took time to
0: to try and help me out. Yeah, certainly. Did, did you come across um, Dick Advocate much uh, during your, your your time there? I think I, I read uh, someone said back in the day he was calling you Peter or what have you. Yeah,
1: that, that is true. Uh, I, I did I did put that on Twitter years ago, uh, and I think it got met with a, a little bit of criticism that I was trying to take the mick. I wasn't. I was I was laughing at myself basically. It was. <laughs> it, it was in truth, it was disappointing at the time. So I, I genuinely don't think he was having banter with me. I genuinely think he didn't know my name. Which, when you, <laughs> when when you when you you've committed to to going up there and you're you're really trying to strive for a, a future and a career at, at Rangers and you're you're desperate to impress the manager, it, it is a bit of a kick in the teeth when you think I'm not sure the manager does know my name here. And I, I didn't have an again. I didn't have an awful lot to do with him. Yeah. Um, in fairness. It wasn't like I was around him every day. Uh, I was generally around the, the younger age groups with the twenty with threes. But yeah, it, I mean, again, like it, it was actually a little bit gutting at the time. Now I can look back and, and laugh at myself a little bit. But at the time, yeah, it was the, like the, the lads could, could hear him calling me Peter, and, and they'd, they'd take the mick out of me as well. So, it, it I mean, it, it's not great when you when you think. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to impress the manager, and he doesn't really know my name. But in fairness to him, I wasn't around him an awful lot, and he had uh, an awful lot more on his plate as well.
0: Yeah, you think you'd maybe be at the wind up if you kept calling you. But in terms of your your time at Rangers, were you disappointed not to make more of an impression and an impression and an, an break break into that first team?
1: Oh, absolutely gutted. Um, I, I'm very humble, but at the time. I was playing really well at Carlisle. I knew that there was interest in me. Like at the time, I was brimming with confidence. And there's probably two trains of thought. That number one was that was I ever going to be good enough to play for Rangers? I don't know. Number two, would I have been good enough if I was given a more of an opportunity? In terms of look at looking back now, something I would have insisted on before signing would be to be around the first team. I went, I went from playing for Calais United's first team, which admittedly is only at League Two level, but it's it's competitive men's football in front of a crowd, so went to play for the under-18s on a, on a Saturday morning in front of 50 people. I, th- I, I think that severely held me back. I think that if I'd been thrown in at the deep end, I'm not saying thrown in the team, I'm, I'm saying to train with the first team on a much more regular basis, I'd have been maybe able to, and it's been maybe, I might have be been able to, to kind of progress and, and, and try and bridge that gap between what I was and what I was hoping to be and, and try and get in the
0: Rangers first team. You went out on loan, of course, during your time there. You spent some time at, at Preston and you worked under Davey Moyes, is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, so, he, uh, interested me before I went to Rangers I, I believe that they put a bid in for me when I was at Carlisle um, so when I was uh, made available for loan uh, they were someone that were interested because he, he knew me previous um, good experience um, in terms of being in and around a men's environment uh, at, at the top end of the championship there was some, some good players there at the time and um, I was probably unlucky that. I mean, if you if you look at my record, I've got a hundred percent record there. I played played one, 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 scored one, <laughs> um, which tells you the story that I'm a bit unlucky not to have made another appearance after that. When you when you do that in a game, um, it was just a case of I, I, I got an opportunity, got on. Like I say, we won the game. I scored my my first league goal, which is a big moment. And then at at the time, it. it he had some good players in his squad. Uh, they all came back and I found myself back on the bench. And, and after that, uh, David went to Everton. Um, so that person that, that thought a lot of me left and I spent the rest of the time in and around the squad but, but not making another appearance.
0: Yeah, but you joined Northampton, of course, in, in 2003 and you were made club captain there as well. Did you, was that something that you sort of you thrived on, that that leadership?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's something that I think I do have some natural traits of uh, that leadership, uh, which is probably evident. The fact that I've I've captained from that moment, I've captained every club I ever played for. Um, it was a fantastic honour to be to be given that opportunity at such a young age. It's uh, and it what and it, it wasn't easy. There was a good set of lads at Northampton, but at the same time, there's some experienced pros in there that. I have to manage. As captain, I'm, I'm suddenly 23 and they're 33 with 500 games under the belt and, and I've been given the captain's armband. Uh, to be fair to them, they were really receptive because it would have been easy to kind of uh, dismiss me as a, as a young and inexperienced player.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that at 21 years of age, it's sort of it's a good feather in your cap at that young age, but it's certainly you need to yeah you have a set of balls really to, to be the captain of a side at, at that uh, tender age of 21.
1: Yeah, I think I think it was a, a mix of, of all kinds of things that in uh, in terms of why it worked, it worked because the the management backed me. It worked because I feel that I had the confidence to, to speak up and I wasn't afraid of saying things that needed said. But at the same time, like I said, I was lucky that I had a good group around me in terms of the players. That even the even the experienced players that obviously had far more uh, experience in the game than me were receptive to to what I was saying and, uh, and didn't try and undermine me anyway. So I was I was lucky in that respect.
0: Yeah, you joined Barnsley, of course, in 2004. and Played under Paul Hart. I spoke to Paul Hart a wee while ago. He's just a, a great guy. I felt. What was it like to play under him?
1: Yeah, I had a, a great time uh, at Barnsley in general. So once I knew that they were interested in me, um, I, I met him and, and it was agreed with Northampton I was going to go there. He was uh, he was a, he was a funny character. He could he could be quite uh, dour sometimes, but when you when you actually took the time to like get to know him and. Uh, and build up a bit of a friendship with him. He was he was absolutely brilliant. He, he was he was good as gold. Uh, I, I haven't seen him for a long time, to be honest, but he's, uh is he's someone that certainly if I've seen him, I'd love to uh, to have a drink with him and, and have a catch up.
0: Yeah, and I mean with Barnsley as well. You played in the uh, the playoff final in two thousand and six. Was it your, your memories of that? Was that a what a game that was against uh, against Swansea.
1: Yeah, fantastic. It was the highlight of my career really to to play at, at the Millennium in a playoff final to uh, to be a, that, that group of players that I had at that time were, were unbelievable like we we were the closest group you could imagine like th- that group there that, that won that final in fact I spoke to a couple of them this week they, they were all at me wedding four years ago like we were really cr- close-knit so to 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 actually kind of play with uh, those type of players and those friends, and literally go to war with them every week, and actually be successful at, at a big occasion like that, and manage to to lift the trophy, that that will stay with me forever. That's that's a that's a big big moment for me.
0: Are you able to sort of enjoy those games, Paul? Or is it uh, do the nerves kick in, and it's and it's hard to take it all in and, and enjoy it, or is it one of those once it's over and done with, you can look back and say it was a it was a, a a top moment in your career?
1: Yeah, I said the, the actual game itself. I, I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed it. I'd be lying if I was like had a smile on my face and thinking and taking it all in. Yeah, I, I couldn't say that. It, it is it is all on the result. It's it's one of those things that. I mean, I mean we won on penalties. It's it's the difference of someone hitting the post or someone not defines your your whole experience of it. I mean, I'd sure I'd be talking very differently about it if uh, results uh, on the penalties have, got, have gone the other way. So the, the the day itself is it, it's pressurised. It's it's either the, you, you know beforehand it's either going to be the best moment ever or one of the worst. There's kind of no in between. So. Yeah, I think I think you only really get to enjoy it when you win and when you actually step back and say, "Yeah, that was a, that was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I I certainly enjoyed the next couple of weeks celebrating it."
0: What's the Millennium Stadium like like to play in in terms of uh, a venue? And is it up there with some of the best stadiums that you've played in?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, the the atmosphere is supercharged anyway because there's so much riding on it. Uh, so, so that gives it kind of an extra couple of points. Uh, in terms of anywhere else you play in a, in a league game but yeah it, it felt really noisy it felt like a, a real a kind of cauldron of noise but to the point where you could barely hear each other on the football pitch you, you were literally trying to communicate through through sign language
0: yeah certainly you spent some time of course after that at the likes of Colchester and, and, and Scunthorpe United any any memories from your, your spells at those clubs?
1: Um, Colchester loved the people um some really good people that down there thoroughly enjoyed working with uh, some top managers there. People like Paul Lambert learned an awful lot from. Um, probably tinged with disappointment in two respects. Number one, we had a good team. When when I look back and see the players that we had and some of the things that they went on to do, we we probably underachieved. We we should we should have been successful. Uh, Especially that that season under Paul Lambert, um, we we should have been uh, there but thereabouts at least in the playoffs. I uh, wasn't to be. And number two, I got a really bad injury when I was there. I I broke my kneecap when I was there, um, that I found very very difficult to get over. Uh, and once I did get over the initial injury, I found kind of a lot of secondary problems in terms of uh, it altering. Uh, of my biomechanics and other parts of my body, and me picking up like kind of secondary injuries. So, as much as I, I loved the, my time there with the, with the people and I enjoyed my football, it it, it was uh, disappointing that we didn't do better. And and I obviously had a, a kind of a personal setback that uh, I had to overcome.
0: Yeah, how frustrating is it in terms of the knee new injury that you had? I guess physically it's hard, but mentally it must be hard as well to be sitting out uh, weekends.
1: Yeah, I I think what really uh, compounded it was the I I did it away. at Huddersfield, I actually got up and it was in a tackle. I got up and I could feel something like I knew I took a bang on my knee, so I was like, Oh, it's a bit sore. So I walked over to the side and just said, All right, give me five minutes. I've I've, I've 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 knocked my knee, but give us five minutes. I've kind of hobbled back on and. Thirty seconds later, the balls went up air, I tried to run for it, and I just basically fell fell down. I just like, nah, it doesn't feel right. But even then, I don't know if I was naive or what, or I'm kidding myself. I'm like, ah, I've just bruised my knee. Like, I give give I give two weeks, I'll be back. I'll go for a scan next day, and even then, I'm I'm think I think it was like March time. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Like back for the running. And as I'm in the surgeon's office, he turns the screen round and goes, "Have a look at that." It oh just shows my kneecap smashed a bit. <laughs> oh dear, what uh, do you mean? So like for, 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 I think that's what like really compounded the the setback in terms of me not thinking it was going to be such a long time. I'm, I'm thinking two weeks and suddenly he's telling me, yeah, you're definitely not playing again this season. Yeah. You probably think about towards Christmas or next season. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that, as any footballer will tell you, it's it's quite a lonely kind of setup when you're injured as, as you're working very closely with the physio but you're not around the lads you kind of got your own timetable you, you're doing a lot of monotonous kind of just day in day out same old grind like just trying to strengthen the muscles around your knee and or whatever injury you've got and uh, yeah it's it's a frustrating time as a, as any player will tell you.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Paul Lambert a wee while ago there. Way back then were you thinking that that I maybe fancy being being a coach myself when I, when I give up playing? No,
1: um really honestly, um I was always interested in in football. I was always interested in the dynamics of the game. I was always interested to learn from someone with such knowledge like like a Paul Lambert. Or, 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 or like a Paul Hart or any, anybody else like always interested to ask them about their experiences but never really never really see myself as a coach I always with, with that those those captaincies and that that kind of desire to be a leader I always wanted a strategic leadership role within sports um, I mean that, that that's quite broad but the the role I'm doing now is exactly that it's it's not coaching day-to-day. It is leading people and, and creating a culture and, and actually having a vision for a, an organisation. That, that's always kind of what I was interested in rather than actually being out on the grass.
0: Yeah. Before we go into what 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 you're doing just now, Paul, touching on uh, you represented uh, England as as a youngster back back in uh, two thousand. Is that right? You you played for the under 19s and then you were uh, named in under twenty squad in two thousand and two. What 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 was that like to to um, to feature it and represent your country?
1: Yeah, fantastic. I think the games themselves were brilliant. If I'm really honest, I couldn't say that I enjoyed the actual. Whole experience in terms of traveling being away for four days not really doing anything with a group of lads that you don't really know it's it's one of those things that I'm immensely proud to have done it and it's it, to look I'm actually in the office now and the, the capture on the wall I can I can see them now uh, England under 20s against Finland uh, and it's fantastic to say that say that I've done it yes yeah. the games I loved if and say, if I'm really honest, I think I think it's changed a little bit now that I think the uh, the FA realised that you, once when you're away for an extended period of time, you you need to do more than just the training. You actually need to kind of fulfil the person as as much as just the training as well.
0: Yeah, certainly. But you join when you're joining different clubs. Did you? We see all these sort of initiation videos that these days. Was that was that? Uh, did you have to do any sort of? Uh, daft lines like that when you were joining different clubs
1: yeah I mean nothing uh, too horrendous you'd always have to get up and sing uh, that would be the usual one that the first away trip you'd have to uh, stand up on a on a chair with like a a banana for a microphone or something <laughs> and, and with, with no uh, accompaniment uh, sing for a couple of minutes uh, that would be generally in front of They'd usually get all the players in. All, they'd usually ask all the hotel, hotel staff to come in just to try and uh, double the embarrassment for you. Um, but there's not, there's nothing. I, I don't mind doing that. Like it, it doesn't bother me too much. I wouldn't say I love it. I wouldn't say I'm a, a natural thing it. It was. It, you could see some people like, and, and that's what was really funny. Some like big, strong centre forward that you think he's gonna be a bulldozer for us up front and and suddenly you get him up on a chair singing and he's he's a bit nervous and he's a bit (laughs) shaky and and, and that that always uh amused me
0: yeah most definitely and in terms of the role you're doing just now paul the the academy manager at sunderland how did all that come about
1: yes it was it was something that unwittingly i've been preparing for since i stopped playing
0: uh I took the time since I
1: stopped playing to upskill myself. Uh, did a postgraduate diploma in sports management with the Johann Cruyff Institute. Uh, did a, a master's degree in sporting directorship, uh, the University of Salford, and those kind of that academic learning and my football experience kind of uh, put me in the frame for the for the role at, at Sunderland. I uh, I knew the. The new owner at, at Sunderland I'd, I'd known him for four or five years uh, so when he took over and, and bought Sunderland Football Club he he asked me to come on board um, initially it was possibly going to be within the recruitment department um, but then there was a there was an opening uh, in the academy the, the previous academy manager had retired uh, so there was an opening there we, we talked about that and how I seen that and how I'd potentially uh, structure that and he was, he was impressed enough to uh, kindly offer me the role
0: yeah fantastic i see seen an article um, recently with, with yourself Paul and you were sort of preparing the, the young boys for um, life outside of football as well as just coaching them how important do you think that is and, and based on your own experience as well that they, that they sort of prepare for an, another career as well as football itself
1: I think it's huge uh, and I think it's, I think it's big for both the football club and, and the player themselves for, so so from a, a, from a football club perspective to develop the person I think develops a better player as well to make someone more well-rounded to give them uh, an holistic education to give them other interests I think it's healthy for them I, I don't think being a, a better person or being a better footballer is mutually exclusive I think we can do both I think it helps their football development to have something else. And from the player's point of view, that's win-win because it's helping them be a better footballer. So hopefully they have got a chance of having a career. But nobody likes to talk about the the stats around not becoming a footballer. But I think us as staff and parents need to kind of protect the players from themselves. I, I, I don't want to shatter their dreams, and I want them to believe that they're going to be the one that gets through because those stories happen, but at the same time, the stats would say it's 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 really, really difficult to do. So if we can give them a skill set to transition into possibly another uh, vocation, then I think we can look a parent in the eye. If, if, we, if we can say that joining the Sunderland Academy, there'll be three outcomes. Number one, you'll either come through the uh, the programme and play for Sunderland or we'll give you enough of a football footballing education to go and make a career somewhere else or we'll give you enough of a skill set to seamlessly uh, transition into another vocation I think we can say that's a job well done and we can look parents in the eye when we recruit them and say we will look after your child
0: yeah, most definitely. And is it important as well? You mentioned there a, a relationship with the first team as well, and and showing that there is a sort of pathway for for young kids that if they do well, well they, they would get a chance in the in the senior setup.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, I've been very fortunate since I've been at the club that uh, previously we had uh, Jack Ross and his staff. Uh, they were very receptive to uh, the academy and uh, promoting young players if if they felt they were. Uh, deserving of it. And and the same now, uh, the, the gaffer uh, and his staff, uh, we've got a great relationship and a good link between ourselves and them. Uh, we've got a, a few academy graduates in the team now, uh, Denver Hume and Lyndon Gooch, uh, they're performing well, two of to the top performing players at the moment, arguably. Uh, so yeah, the, and that's the story we tell to, to the young players at our, our club, that it's not just as sane as a pathway, there's actual physical evidence of it.
0: Yes, certainly. But we wish you well in in the future, Paul. Thanks very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to to speak to you.
1: No, I I appreciate your time. It's uh, nice to take a trip down a memory lane.
0: Yes, it certainly is. Magic, top stuff. Cheers, Paul. No problem. Thank you. Well, that was episode 29 of the Talking Football podcast with Paul Reid. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much for listening. Remember, if you've missed any so far, you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and at DerekClarkSport.co.uk. We're also on Twitter at Talking underscore Football and Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next week for another belter of an interview. But until then, bye for now.